Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you for tuning in. Got a lot to get into in the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Let's dive into it. So... Uh, last night you had Devin Haney taking on Jojo Diaz for Devin Haney's version of the WBC championship, huge controversy all week about, is this for the real WBC championship? I got everybody up on my YouTube comments after having George Ferocious Cambos in studio. He's not undisputed. Stop calling him that stuff. Look, man. This is all I have to say to everybody who, who who's getting upset with me. Know that uh, the WBC, the WBA, the IBF, the WBO, this is these are all organizations that determine, they put a ranking system together, they rank individual fighters, and they determine who they want as their champion, uh, you know, through a series of rankings and what bouts they sanction and whatnot. I don't understand why the WBC has this weirdness with wanting to be in on everything. But they're they're publicity bloodsuckers. That's what they are. Anything that they can hitch their wagon to when it comes to getting attention, they're going to do it. You know, whether it's, you know, making a heritage belt for Canelo Alvarez or the money belt for Conor McGregor or a franchise belt for whomever. They came out and they said that George Ferocious Cambosis is the undisputed champion. Not fans, not media. Their organization and their president says that George Cambosis is the WBC champion. And quite frankly, I believe that he is. You know, Devin Haney was interim champion. He was just elevated to regular champion. This is not something that, like, he was this lineal WBC champion and nobody has been able to. It's not like he was Deontay Wilder and had it, like, forever and and it was never taken off of him. You know, he's... He was interim champ. They raised him a regular champ. Franchise champ got into the mix with the whole Vasily Lomachenko thing. You know, to me, this is the silliest thing anyway. Like, to, you know, to argue about George Cambosis' standings right now in the division about who's the champ. Like, George Cambosis, this is the way I just, he's the man. 
Like he is the legitimate uh, lightweight champion. You know, there's plenty of times where we look around at the divisions and we're like, eh, that guy's not, you know, he's got, you know, we look at the, for, for example, welterweight division right now, right? Your Dennis Ugas is the WBA welterweight champion. Um, Errol Spence is WBC. He has IVF, while Terrence Crawford is WBO. And all respect to your Dennis Ugas, who I love, key to the city of Miami, great story, but he's third in line when it comes to that system of who do people want to see in the in the welterweight division well they look at upon it as a terrence crawford errol spence two pony race so for right now in the lightweight division yeah i look at upon it right now as devin haney and george cambosis but george cambosis has himself a lead like as far as having meaningful win as far as having the signature win and all that type of stuff um it's just a crazy thing what a storyline this was this week where it's like you have all these people saying, who's this? Who's this? You know, like George has to answer for, what do you think about the standings of one of your five belts? You know, I mean, I have it. What do you want me to do? You want me to give it back? Oh no, Devin Haney, you're the, you're like, no. So, I, you know, and, and I'm glad that Devin Haney has such a fan base. That's, that's so popular. I like Devin Haney a lot. Um, I feel like I've done a lot of defending of Devin Haney on this show. Uh, especially for people who have hated on him or called him boring or any of that type of stuff. But, you know, I think even Devin knows, like, you know, where he's like, oh, let's, you know, let's fight for the real WBC champion. So, no, Devin, real WBC champion. No, dude, you're fighting for all the belts. Who cares about your WBC belt? You're fighting for the mantle of the champion. You know, this idea that you're holding on to some one piece that's been bastardized by the own organization that you represent as champion is weird to me but anyway um this is a big fight was very excited about it Devin Haney Jojo Diaz uh fight that kind of came out of nowhere a bit because it was supposed to be Jojo Diaz versus Ryan Garcia Ryan Garcia um fell out of this fight so the zone ended up making the uh the Devin Haney fight happen which is great Devin Haney I think needed a high profile guy in his prime to take on even if jojo's not exactly a natural 135er um he's game he's tough and i think goes in the direction of you know he's taking out a couple of old he's still got a really old guy in gamboa kind of an old guy in lenars who gave him you know a lot to handle and now he's taking on a guy who's a, a little bit more in his prime and so i thought it was a good a good matchup for devin haney to take on in this one um it was great. You know, George Cambosis was on the call. Him and his team, you know, shout out to uh, to Peter Kahn and, uh, you know, everybody that got over there, Lou DiBella. I want to give, you know, my guy Pete a little bit more run because I feel like everybody in the mainstream is giving it to Lou. But um, George has been everywhere this week, man. He's done a ton of interviews. I'm very thankful that he came into a studio with us on uh, Wednesday and gave us, you know, a half hour of his time and him and his dad giving us a ton of time after the show too, just kind of shooting the bleep. And, um, you know, they went, I, I was able to, you know, link him up with the right people at the heat to, uh, to get him at the game on Wednesday night. It was a stinker. It was against the Cavaliers, but he was, uh, he got to knock out Bernie and, you know, was taking a lot of selfies with the fans. Like it has to be cool. I know that George is like a guy that doesn't like to let all this stuff, you know, go, go to his head and he wants to be in the gym and all this type. He's not 
trying to allow himself to soak in a lot of this, but it's got to be cool. Like the world knows who you are now. And um, after a lot of uh, hard work, you're at this point in your career. But let's get into him versus Dev. So he was on the call for this. He says he's going to, uh, you know, his team said that they're going to go to L.A. to do the Javante Davis card, too. Um, but Devin, I thought Devin put on a good performance against Jojo Diaz. I didn't think it was, like, the most memorable fight in the world. Um, Devin, you know, the thing with Devin that's interesting about him is, you know, they put him up to, they're really trying to put this narrative forth that he's, like, you know, the next version of Floyd Mayweather and really pretty boy Floyd, like that young, lightweight version of Floyd. And I, you know, I think he's kind of his own thing, you know, and and he's also, it's such a hard thing to live up to that young Floyd Mayweather because one thing with, with Devin is I think Devin has shown over his last couple of fights that he wants to be in the kitchen. He does want to be exciting. He doesn't necessarily want to be that guy who's all defense. But, you know, is also in that mix of, I don't know if he has the craziest power or, it, you know, has that that ability to really put the kill shots on his opponents yet. I don't know if it was a thing with JoJo where he was trying to be a little bit more cautious too because we definitely saw a conscious effort for him against Linares where he was trying to be super aggressive. And it ended up biting him in the butt. And he had to hold on for a couple rounds, and people gave him hell about that. And that's the thing that sucks with Haney is like everybody is criticizing every little thing that he does. Oh, he puts on a fun performance. Well, he was holding on for two rounds. Oh, he doesn't go for broke. Boring fight against Gamboa. I would say this is probably as solid as it would get. You know, he's got to know that like he is most likely going to take on George Cambosis. If I had to handicap it, I would say that's the most likely fight, you know, based on uh, network appeal, George doing so much with the zone. I don't find it likely that Cambosis is going to fight Gervonta Davis. We don't know what's going to happen tonight. I'll, if something, you know, we'll recap it after that fight happens on Sunday. It's a little weird that Gervonta is fighting on a, on a Sunday night, but okay. He, uh, pro- you know, I would say probably the thinking behind that is they wanted to stay away from the college football championships. So you kind of just put it on a rando NFL week. Fair enough. Um, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that George, I don't think that George and Javante is likely to happen for a couple of reasons. One, I think that they are pretty strict that they want to stay in the PBC realm. That's not really a Cambosis problem. He's a free agent, but. I think the thing that really kills it is George really wants the next fight to be in Australia. And I got a hard time believing that Gervonta Davis is going to go to Australia. I think Gervonta Davis has shown himself to be at least a live gate draw. I don't know if he's you necessarily want to call him a, a pay-per-view star yet or a bona fide pay-per-view star yet, but he is uh he definitely sells tickets and I don't know if he's going to be like, yeah, do we want to go across the world to do it? I have my doubts about that. I think that they kind of just want to roll with what they're doing right now, this gravy train that they got with Gervonta Davis. So I think that's out. Uh, Lomachenko obviously fights next week. Is that a possibility? You know, certainly, uh, you know, it certainly is. But I think that, you know, Vasily, if I were Gervonta, if I were George, uh, if, if I were George, 
I would be I would be the guy that I would actually want to unify. I think the thing that makes this different is you had all these guys here at 135 that we all were crazy about wanting to fight each other, but none of them really did. Now, you do credit Tiafimo. Like, Tiafimo did fight George. He was mandatory. Could have dropped the belt. He didn't. And he ended up giving a contender a shot and, you know, lost his championship. So it's not like it's not like Tiafimo went out there and fought some old dude, just a name, you know. But I think for I think for George, he should take the opportunity to be that guy. Like if Devin Haney says, like he says, that he's going to leave 135, Tiafimo is going to leave 135. Um, I'd imagine Ryan Garcia is going to leave 135 at some point because they're all very, very young. George, he's probably in the weight class. That's a, you know, we talked about this within our interview. He says, like, the best he thinks he could probably go or the highest he could go be a champion is probably welterweight, and that's pushing it. Um, I think he's probably at that optimal weight for himself. So the Devin matchup is going to be interesting because Devin's got that reach. Devin has that, uh, you know, Devin's got a, way about him that's not very emotional we saw a little bit of aggression that came forth in the uh in the in the fight against jorge linares but for the most part haney and his father bill they keep a pretty calculated plan of how they go about they like for every all the emotion that the the lopez is going to this the haney's are almost the opposite like you see them they're praying beforehand they're like, you know, f- finding their their zone going into it. It's all very calculated. They're all looking for something. it's just a different vibe. So I do think it's a it's a different beast that uh that George is taking on. But I do agree with him. I do think that Haney over his last few fights has shown holes, and that's the thing that's also tough when you're being compared to Mayweather. It's like well, Mayweather had no holes. Mayweather never got hit. We saw JoJo. JoJo was able to get some shots. Doesn't quite have the thump that I think George does. And I think the thing that George showed was this unbelievable hand speed and quickness and angles and and great exchanges that he's able to uh, that he's able to go out there. I think he's certainly going in there against a guy who doesn't hit as hard as Teofimo Lopez does. So there may not be that danger element. So yeah, I think that. I think it's an interesting fight. It's an intriguing fight, but that's that's for me sitting here before Javante fights and thinking that that fight's probably unlikely anyway. That's the fight that I would uh, I, I do want to see next is him and Devin Haney. They've been talking back and forth. They've both shown a mutual interest. They were on to zone. It feels like it's been promoted well already, and uh, and I'm curious to see what it's like when they actually get into a fight promotion. You know, George uh, I think handled a lot of this with class. Um, he was letting Devin Haney have his night. And uh, I, I think that'd be a really, really fun matchup between uh, between the both of them. Speaking of uh, Lopez, there was an interesting story that came out today from ESPN that talked about that he was dealing with something in his esophagus that had put him in a uh, that you know put his life at risk at one point. Mark Kriegel did this story talking to a doctor. And the doctor basically said that he's lucky that he's not dead. Dr. Linda Dahl, who does uh, has does surgery at Manhattan Hospital, told him that uh, he could have died for sure. How I breathe, I can't even explain to you. It's like somebody tied a 300-pound set of weights to his chest like his neck and chest were in a vice. That's how he fought. 
another guy, Dr. Peter Constantino, who's the executive director of the New York Head, Neck, and Institute, says he's lucky he's not dead. I mean, really lucky. So you're speaking with multiple, uh, the air surrounding his chest, wall, and heart were in place where air is not supposed to be. If he got hit in the neck and chest a certain way, he could have had a collapsed lung. He would have uh, instantly needing a uh, chest tube. So it would have, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Lopez was telling ESPN that he thought it was an asthma attack, that he was having issues after rehydrating from the weight cut, but that nobody was able to really tell until he had uh, the the x-rays or the CAT scans. So it was a pretty crazy thing to read with uh, Tiafima Lopez. Now, I will say, like, he didn't, uh, he did say I wasn't myself in the ring, but didn't really take any credit away from Cambosis. I mean, not like he did in the uh, the 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 fight night where he said that he had won ten rounds to two. Um, wasn't really mentioned. I didn't hear. I didn't hear much of it mentioned on the broadcast today. It was, uh, you know, but you know, I think the thing that's actually even crazier about this is just all the bad stuff that I felt like Tiafimo was going through. You know, we talked about money issues, mental issues, relationship issues with his ex-wife leaving him, with his wife leaving him, um, you know, not being able to see his son, who's very, very young, and, you know, it's that's a bummer to read from Tiafimo. You know, Tiafimo had this year where he thought he was going to make this crazy amount of money from Triller, Never ended up having it. He, of course, ended up getting COVID-19. And they think actually that a lot of this actually had to do with the fact that he had COVID-19. He is an asthma sufferer and that there was some trickle-down effect of it. So all this idea of a you know, pro athlete, you know, don't you can't get messed up by this stuff. You know, there you have it. One of the champions of the world, former champion of the world, was uh suffering some serious repercussions. Now, from the boxing perspective, couldn't breathe. Like, look, he was in the tenth round and he uh still knocked down Cambosis. So I don't know, you know, if that's the case. Like, I don't know how much it was affecting him or how bad it was. They're saying that he's lucky, you know, something bad, really bad could have happened. But he seemed like he was okay late into that fight. So I don't think this is going to do too much to take away anything from the win of of George. But it's just more so I read that. I'm like, man, feels like Tiafimo's got a lot of bad stuff that's going on right now, physically, emotionally, financially. And you just hope that everything kind of gets okay with them. We'll take a quick break here on the show. When we come back, we get to a little UFC 269 coming up next week. Back after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here with you on 790 The Ticket. As we will uh, continue on here. Uh, Again, do a little bit of UFC 269, which is coming up next week. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, they will be fighting for the lightweight title. Dustin Poirier. He will get a, a crack at the lightweight title for a second time, uh, a chance at redemption ever since uh, losing to Khabib Nurmagomedov a few fights ago. Um, and Charles Oliveira, of course, coming off the title win where he beat Michael Chandler. You know, uh, very, you know, had a, a little bit of a rocky first round, but uh, was able to weather the storm and uh, put away Michael Chandler early early in round two and he's looked absolutely fantastic nobody has been able to really stop this guy for a while talking one two three four five six seven eight nine straight wins for Dubronx. uh he has looked absolutely amazing especially since he has uh been at lightweight and uh as for dustin poirier 
more of the same from him. Uh, you know, he has come off the uh, the big paydays with Conor McGregor. He has beaten him in the rematch. He beat him in the trilogy where Conor McGregor's leg snapped but was uh, winning that fight early on beforehand there as well and uh, has looked great since bouncing back from that title loss to Habib Nurmagomedov. This is a fun fight, man. This is uh, two guys who really don't have a huge weakness. I think that if you were to level them off, like you would say, like Charles Oliveira, better in the ground game, better in the submission game, Dustin Poirier, better in the striking game, but they're both strong in both areas. This is not like two guys who have big flaws on the ground. These are not two guys who have flaws in striking. They're both just really, really solid all the way around. They're two of the best fighters in this division. I think they probably are the two best fighters in this division right now, quite frankly. Um, you know, maybe Islam Makhachev is is getting there, and maybe, you know, he will be there very, very soon. I'm not denying that. But uh, but for right now, I think you definitely have the two best guys. For me, like, the only thing that's interesting, the thing that's great about this is, you know, I was worried that we weren't ever going to see this matchup for some reason. You know, it was uh, it was maybe looking like Michael Chandler, especially in that first round. Maybe he was going to take out uh, Charles Oliveira. And Dustin Poirier, you know, you go in there with a guy like Conor McGregor, always dangerous. And I would have been more hurt for Dustin because Dustin, for my mind, has been the uncrowned champ now uh, for a little bit. You know, this is a guy where he should have gone in there against after his win against Dan Hooker and should have gotten a title shot immediately. And they basically made him choose between big payday or title shot, and he chose big payday. Probably a smart move by him. Went in there, beat Conor McGregor, and then same situation, then beat him again. Um, so now he's getting the opportunity to just go straight and focus on becoming the best in the world and having that big legacy fight. The other interesting thing is this may be his last, you know, hurrah at 155 pounds. You know, there's been a lot of talk in this camp about him being tired of cutting weight, maybe going to 170 pounds. And there's a lot of fun matchups there as well. You also have like this next little wave, especially the match between Benilia Daryush and Islam Makachev, which we may be getting soon. And, you know, will there be kind of a change into the guard there with this division that's been so heavily contested for years among uh, some of the best guys that they've had, especially, and, and Poirier really has been the guy in all of that. You know, Justin Gaethje, I'm sure, has something to say about it. You know, he, he wants that Dustin Poirier matchup very, very badly. You know, but there's a something down the line. If Poirier is able to win this and then say, hey, you know, I want to go in there. I want to fight a guy in Kamar Usman. Maybe that's a, a route they go. Is, is this stuff going to affect us in Poirier? I highly doubt it. This dude is rock solid as far as mental fortitude and all that type of stuff. I guess the question for him is, you know, can he, you know, for him, he's he's always got to watch out for those uh, those tough starts. Usually is a guy where, you kind of got to uh, wake him up in the fight a little bit, you know, get bring the fight to him and and uh, make sure that, you know, it, it just kind of uh, ring his bell a little bit. We've seen in his last three fights, uh, really two out of his last three fights, that, you know, his opponent and Connor and Dan have really gotten off on him early, and then he cranks up the pressure as the fight goes on. With Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira's going in there, and he is – you know, he's been in there where he's been in a guy like Michael Chandler, weathered the storm early, was able to come on late. Tony Ferguson pretty much dominated throughout, you know, in a lot of those fights, he's been, uh, you know, just really just finds a way to, to work his way in 
and uh, and 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 put on some of these nasty chokes, these nasty submissions that he's able to go get, catch a guy sleeping. For me, I just think that Dustin Poirier is a little bit more experienced in just all facets of being on big level fights, though that uh, though Charles Oliveira has been in there and has been on a fantastic win streak. You know, you if you really look at the guys that he's beaten and you look back at his resume, you're like, yeah, it's a great run. It's kind of like if we're looking at the, um, you know, the the college football playoff that's going on right now. Like if a, a team that has a tremendous record but maybe doesn't have the strongest strength of schedule, that's Charles Oliveira. I mean, like Dustin Poirier has been fighting in the SEC. Like he is fighting nothing but former champions and top contenders every single time that he goes in there and really has been probably since he's lost to Michael Johnson, like going all the way back to then, uh, he's been fighting the best of the best at their highest level and, and usually getting the best of it. If his name wasn't Habib Nurmagomedov. So in a lot of ways, I think this is a big step up in competition for Charles Oliveira. I think he's really going in there in some deeper waters. I think that he's taken on a guy who has been really one of the best in this division now for going on a half decade. And I think that just because he has a longer win streak doesn't necessarily mean that he has had the better run than Dustin Poirier. You know, I think if that if Charles Oliveira was in there with Khabib Nurmagomedov, he'd probably have his hands full that night too. So I think that for Oliveira... He's going to be in for a world of surprise where Dustin doesn't fade away maybe like a, a Michael Chandler does, doesn't leave those openings where a Michael Chandler may, or Tony Ferguson who looked a little bit weathered by the time that they had fought. Don't forget, when he had fought Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson was coming off of that awful performance against Justin Gaethje and you know, really, in a lot of ways, just looked like a shell of himself. I don't know what the hell happened to Tony Ferguson. I don't know what happened to El Kakui, the guy who everybody was afraid to face in the division, but that's not the same guy that Charles Oliveira had taken on. Again, I don't want to take too much away from Dubronx. Dude's awesome. I'm a big fan, and I'm very, very excited about this fight. I think he definitely, definitely has ways to win this fight. But I do worry that he's going into a lion's den right now where he may not necessarily uh, realize the step up. Now, look, he's been in there with some tough guys, especially back at, at, at Featherweight where... You know, he was taking on you know, Max Holloway and, you know, some catchweight fights with, you know, Ricardo Lamas where he was missing weight and Anthony Pest. So he's been in there with the creme de la creme on, on some really, really good guys too. Not taking that away from him. He's definitely been in there with the best of the best. He's lost to some of the best. Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson too. But this is way back early in his career. The guy's been in the UFC for freaking ever. So, you know, it's kind of like when you would, would you take a Max Holloway fight back when he was 19? Probably not. It's a much different guy. Um for Dustin, though, Dustin's just more recently been in there with the top at the top. You know, you look at, at something like the Max Holloway fight where he beat Charles Oliveira. If you want to do some MMA math there, Max beat him back in the day uh, at featherweight. Dustin had beaten Max pretty recently, a couple of years ago, to win the interim lightweight title. So I think that Dustin's going to get him. I think Dustin's going to finish him uh, like around round three. And uh, and will retain his lightweight title. As far as the rest of the card concerned, Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, like this is a little bit more the more the same. Like Juliana Pena, I love the personality that she brings. I love the fire that she brings. This was like one of the big prospects 
who was uh, bursting onto the stage a long time ago. You know, back to her days of Ultimate Fire when she suffered the nasty knee injury, and then she ended up becoming a mom. So didn't necessarily have the path that uh, we thought that she would. And for Amanda, Amanda's the GOAT. Like, I just... I'm not going to be the guy who's out here picking Amanda Nunes to lose. Uh, I just, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be the one who dazzles me. Like I, 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 if, if, if Juliana Pena comes out of here and we're talking on this show next week and she is the bantamweight champion of the world, I'll humbly, uh, old man said, I never thought that she had a chance in hell of winning this fight. I'm fine with being that for me right now. Amanda Nunes, she is uh, the best woman on the planet fighting. A little bit of a weird thing going on uh, with this card as we had. You know, this was a really stacked card. You had Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. That's no longer on the card because Jorge got hurt. We uh, we covered that story a couple of weeks ago. So that's a bit of a bummer. Then uh, Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Jeff Neal got arrested this week. So don't really know what his situation is going to be for this fight as far as uh, if he's going to be fighting uh on if he is going to be fighting on this he is apparently still scheduled to fight uh even with the uh dwi charge and unlawfully carrying a weapon he is out on bond so seems like he is uh that he is uh is going to be on the ufc put out a statement says ufc is aware of the recent situation involving jeff neal organization has been in communication with him and there's a process of gathering more details his bout is still scheduled so him versus ponzinibbio that's a good fight Kai Kara France uh, versus uh, Cody Garbrandt is uh, is is an interesting one too, and Rulon Paiva versus uh, Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show, always interesting, always fun. So it's not as deep as it was for sure. Uh, UFC 269, I think losing the uh, the Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal one's a big one, not only because of the grudge match factor, the star factor, um, having. American top teams, three biggest stars on the card, you know, but also that was a big fight into that. If Leon was going to win, probably would have cinched up the welterweight title. Now we might have a situation where if Dustin Borier wins the lightweight title, maybe that'll cinch up the, uh, the Kamaru Usman, uh, next opponent. You know, he's looking for that super opponent, that big time draw. I think Dustin's it. I think like, if you're going to talk about who, who's the guy right now that really could draw for, uh, Kamar Usman, I think a champion versus champion match could do that. Uh, Charles, I don't think the size is quite there. I don't think he's he's itching for it like that. Dustin is clearly uh, showing signs that he uh, is no longer interested in fighting in the welterweight division. And then there's other fun stuff. Maybe a Colby Covington grudge match with Dustin. Who knows? But um, that's the interesting. That's definitely an interesting storyline that's developed out of all of this. We'll take a quick break. Be back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket as we take you up till 10 o'clock. Pretty wild UFC last night. Jose Aldo uh, defeated Rob Font. Jose Aldo, bro. This dude is at 35. It's funny that he's like he's so much more appreciated, I think, now in his age than he was uh, when he was even reigning champ. You know, like I think everybody just digs the way he fights. Not as much with the leg kicks as he used to be, but sick boxing, great hands. And uh, really put it on Rob Font. Basically, since like round one with like 15 seconds left, dropped him with a one, two. And it was pretty much Jose Aldo's fight from there on. They both had gnarly eyes. It looked like Jose Aldo uh, at one point, his was closing up. Maybe the doctor was going to step in and stop it. Then he put down Rob Font again. Maybe Rob Font was going to get stopped. 
Um, there were a couple of times where it looked like Joe's out of, you know, maybe if he would have gone the route of waiting for Rob Font to get up and put more strikes on him that he could have finished the fight. He instead was trying to go for submissions, nearly got it, uh, especially at the end of the fifth round where Rob Font got off to a gang poster start, but still ended up getting dropped again. And that was kind of the story of the fight. Like Rob Font would get off to these six starts of the round, but Jose just always had an answer for him, always had an answer for him. So there was a, a great, great performance from the King of Rio. Rafael Fazayev, he uh, had a win over Brad Riddell with a with a nasty spinning back kick KO in the third round. Some wild finishes in this one. Jamal Hill, he defeated Jimmy Crute with a uh, he caught him with a right hand coming in, put him out, put his lights out immediately. Clay Guida, he had a rear naked choke in the second round, uh, so he and then ended up getting some some a UFC ring from his uh, mother who made it for him, which was real sick. And then Chris Curtis. Got to give it up to him for beating uh, Brendan Allen. This guy's got a couple of wins now in two months where he's beaten Brendan Allen Allen and he's beaten Phil Hawes as a uh, you know a 34-year-old journeyman who's now got uh, six wins on the year, but two of them against two guys in the UFC that I think super highly of and has just wiped the floor with them, you know, put them out. And that's got that you know that's that's the type of thing that you just find absolutely sick in the fight game that a dude uh, can have those types of moments that really really change uh, change a moment change his life change how he feels and all that type of stuff so really really cool uh, to see that from from Curtis some other news and notes Gennady Golovkin his fight with Ryoto Murata will uh, be postponed because of COVID restrictions in Japan that fight was supposed to happen on December 29th it will not. And uh, and that's a huge bummer to uh, to see. We will not see Triple G back in the uh, back in the uh, back in action for right now. And uh, that's uh, that's that's never great to see. Never great to see. But what you gonna do, Floyd Mayweather? This was interesting this week. He was doing some um, press for the Javante Davis fight. Obviously uh, promotes the guy and says that um, he had a uh, he he thought that Canelo Alvarez was ducking David Benavidez, which I found an interesting one. I wonder if this was, you know, this is a thing with Canelo where, you know, he's doing this this move up to fight on Makabu, who, you know, I, I talked about this. Like, I'm not that into Canelo going up to Cruiserweight just to go up to Cruiserweight. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me as a guy who follows the sport. I don't know if, like, the most ardent uh, Canelo fan is just like, yes, Gotta have him go up and get a cruiserweight title means so much. It only like the only way it means anything to me, honestly, is if this ends with him fighting Alexander Usyk either at cruiserweight or if he's gonna go up and fight Alexander Usyk at uh, heavyweight. You know, like it's Canelo, but like it's pretty crazy. Like we were, I was, I was BSing about that on the show, and I was like looking at photos next to him, next to like Andrew Ruiz, and Andrew Ruiz isn't even the biggest heavyweight, and it's kind of a crazy thing to even think about. Um. But yeah, I, I, you know, can, he brought up this week and he says uh, he uh, and Floyd said that Canelo's going to cruiserweight and he's finding a guy that's not uh, really he's up and down. And what I mean is that if it was up to me. I want to see Benavidez. Canelo is a hell of a fighter. But my personal uh, opinion, he's ducking Benavidez. That's just my opinion. He's going up to cruiserweight. And I'm not knocking him. But that's the same guy cruiserweight who used to be at the Mayweather boxing gym. And guys are really getting the best of him at the Mayweather Boxing Gym. So if he's going up to Cruiserweight, Benavidez can go up and beat the same guy. And yeah, for Floyd's sake, like I think that for me, I uh, I agree. Like I'd rather see him fight 
a David Benavides, a Jamal Charlo, uh, a Demetrius Andrade. You know, um, hell, I'd rather see him fight Andre Ward. Andre Ward come out of retirement. Um, you know, when I talked to Andre Ward a couple of weeks ago, you know, he still seems like he wants to stay retired. But like, listen, I said this to Leroy, like he's younger than Gennady Golovkin. Everybody wants to see this third Gennady Golovkin fight. Andre Ward's younger than than Triple G, even though he hasn't been active for four years. Triple G has been active for like what two? So, you know, I, I'm I'm with Floyd on this one. Like, I, I'm not into this idea of Canelo going up and and fighting Makabu and 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 taking on that uh that challenge. It's just whatever, you know. Like, they'll make a big deal out of it, and whoever ends up promoting that fight will do the great job and the great spin job of. You know, this is, uh, you know, maybe a more dangerous version of what Pacquiao tried to do. But, you know, for me, it's just whatever. I, I, I don't find it to be something that it's not that I don't find it to be impressive. It's just not a feat that I put a lot of stock in. Like, I'm not like, man, Canelo, he's really solidified himself. I'm like, Canelo has solidified in himself. What I want are the most entertaining fights. And really, this is the big thing with this, too, as a, as a consumer of his fights. Um, I want the biggest bang for my buck, and I don't really want to be against some cruiserweight that none of us heard heard of three weeks ago, you know? And I'd rather it be against either middleweights or super middleweights. And, you know, people want to say, well, he's done everything there is to do. Not really. He's won all the belts there are to win, but there's also the idea that he is a prize fighter, and, you know, you want to whoever invests all this money into you wants to get the most bang for their buck as far as investing in you and the fans want to invest their money in a fight that they want to see. And I don't think that has anything to do with Canelo going up to cruiserweight. I really, really don't. I think it has more so to do with the fact of finding compelling matchups that we'll be really, really interested in watching. So there's that. By the way, shout out to Sergio Pettis. Sick knockout over Kyoji Horaguchi this week to retain the Bellator Bantamweight Championship. Spinning back fist KO to uh, to beat him. It was gnarly, man. That thing is that was a vicious thing. And man, what a, what a story Sergio Pettis is. Talk to uh, Emmanuel Sanchez this week. Just the work that this kid has put in. You think about him from like back where he was UFC prospect, and we're talking like hell eight years ago, something like that. And you know he's like taking on Bruce Leroy back in the day. And, you know, the, the move that he's done over to Bellator, this run that he's had in Bellator has just been so tremendous. He's undefeated with them, and he's become their champion, and now he's won the cross-promotional championship. It's just been uh, it's been a really cool rise. I got to imagine, though, like the, the idea that would he uh, head on back there. Now, they, they've announced that they're doing this big Bellator Grand Prix, so maybe it won't be anytime soon. But um, even still... With him as this, uh, with him over here, you know, Bantamweight's pretty on fire right now. He is, uh, you know, got the name recognition because he is a Pettis brother. So there's going to be something. But, you know, listen, a lot of people, listen, a lot of people talk about the treatment that they're getting over at Bellator, that they like it. You know, we hear this from Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson's liking the treatment over at Bellator a little bit more. And, um, you know, there's been so much things with the UFC. It's been interesting watching. This past weekend was a fire card. I mean, it was it was really, really great. But I've been talking about this. It's been very noticeable, I think, to every fan that 
these fight night cards, like they're doing it really bare bones as far as name recognition because they just got to get the cards in and then they're really loading up the pay-per-views. It's been very noticeable as a fan this year. So I don't know if you are in Bellator and you are having success there and you see some of the names that they got there. Uh, do they do they roll with that and think that's the better way to go? I don't know. But for me, it's um, it's an interesting one for sure. Um, on the back end of this, listen, got an announcement uh, that's going to come up. You guys will hear this week as far as uh, fight content for the show. So it'll uh, it'll have an impact on the future of this show, which I will get into later this week. I can't make an official announcement up until uh, tomorrow, but um, which would mean Monday. I think is when we're officially maybe it might be Monday or Tuesday coming up this week. But if you're a fight fan and you like the fight content of this show, we got some exciting stuff that's coming up here. We also got some more exciting coverage, some exciting interviews that are coming this way. I also recommend, by the way, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, we did a half hour with George Cambos this week in studio, talked about really went in depth on the fight. I think a lot of people have been, you know, talking about you know what's this like, all this is, you know, we got a background with George as far as you know, all the interviews that we've done with him and to see him reach these tops, it was cool getting to do the, uh, you know, the whole wrap-up of it all. And uh, it was really, really cool. Love getting a chance to speak with his father, who's got story for days. Stories for days. I got to get him on the uh, the show in the near future and do a sit-down because his stories are, uh, are pretty, pretty incredible. But um, as far as this program's concerned, um, I'll have an announcement about that. And... Uh, some other stuff regarding our combat sports coverage that's coming up this week, Monday, Tuesday at the latest. So stay tuned for that. I don't know if I'll, I, I don't figure out how I'm going to announce it yet, social media wise, or um, if it'll be on video or podcast version, but you guys will know. So for everybody who consumed this show, supported this show, um, you know, we continue to appreciate you doing that. And we got some, uh, some more stuff coming your way. So, that's our show for this week, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.